Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mighty grace, Lord God, that's operating in our midst, Lord God. We thank you for uh, Elder Godfrey as he ministers this morning, that we receive our hearts are open, Lord God. Speak to us, Lord God. Transform our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We praise the Lord. What is the time now? Caught up us nine. All right. Good morning, church. Is everybody well? Are we warm? I think especially this side, there's a bit of sun basking here. All right. Yeah, it's good to see all of you. Just look at your neighbor and say, you're looking awesome and you're on time. Amen. Let's, yeah, let's just pray. Father, you give the seed to the sower, and you cause the growth. We pray that this is the manifestation of your word this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Today, we still continue with our series on building the culture of honor. And this is the third installment, and it is not the last installment, in this series. What did we talk about the first, in the first series? Who remembers? I do. It was words. The second one? Relationships. Alright, I would really like to encourage you to take some time, go to the website, download or listen to these sermons. Alright, are we going to do that? Because there is a build-up. And if there's a build-up in the spirit, there's a build-up in the natural. So we started with words. We came to relationships. And today, we're going to be looking at honoring God with our time. Can you look at your clock? What time is it? All right. I'm going to start my timer. And see that I'm going to honor the Lord with my time this morning. Alright, before I go on, I want to set these. I want to set the following as the foundation. This scripture might not even come up during my sermon. But this is the bedrock on which we're going to build whatever we're going to hear this morning. Alright? Psalm 24 verse 1 says... The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. All right, throw that here. Number two, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. That is Colossians chapter 3 verse 3. Let's also put that at the back of our heads, but don't lose it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 to 8 also says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. So this is the bedrock of what we're talking about today. We remember that everything, including our time, is the Lord's. We also... Say whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. 
And also we remember that everything under the sun has a time. All right? So, let's now look at where this concept of time began. Could I have the next slide? Genesis 1, verse 1, says, In the beginning God created heaven and the earth. Who believes that? If I ask a question, because there will be answers at the end of the service, just raise your big toe so that nobody can really notice you because I'm going to be pointing. All right? Every time I ask a question, just raise the right toe. If that is missing, any other toe. I'll keep watch. So, if God created heaven and earth in the beginning, that means the earth has a timestamp to it. Many computer guys, they know that every activity or everything that goes through the computer has a time log. Especially the accountants, the accountants, because they have to watch every transaction. And every transaction that passes the bank, your accounting system has a timestamp. And from the IT and security perspective, they're looking at when did this happen and who did it. Now we're noticing what happened was heaven and earth was created. And who did it? God. So there is a timestamp and there is somebody behind it. All right? Do we believe that? If you don't, you can also raise your left toe. Um, So what we see is that God, in his creation, science tells us today that time only exists where there's matter. Where there's something you can perceive with your senses, something you can touch, something you can feel. That's what science tells us. In the vacuum... Is the time. So, when we rewind back, after that we see that the earth was formless, was the form. Formless was the form. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth, was the time. And then God came and said, in the beginning, this is when the earth started. And this is where matter came. And this is where form started to come. He created the heavens. The heavens is the space. And the earth is the matter. And therefore, time. So, I I tend to believe that time existed before the heaven and the earth. If we literally look at that scripture. Because before the formation of the earth, there was a beginning a point. Do we see that? So, I, I take it that we all believe that. So, I'm going to go on. So, what we see here is that besides all this, what senses are saying, the Lord says, everything under the heavens and the earth, there is a time stamp to it. There is a time to be born. There is the time to die. And there is a time for resurrection. We had communion today because we believe in the power of the cross and that there is resurrection in the end. 
So there is a beginning and the end. But besides all that, there is somebody that transcends the beginning and the end. Okay? But we're not going to go into that because there's many theories around that. Because looking at God and time, it kind of touches on the origin of God. And I don't think I'm very qualified this morning to really even attempt to touch on that. So I'm going to skip that. Our Lord is the same yesterday and today and forever. And in his nature, he's transcendent. That means he transcends time. That means he is beyond time. When we say the time is in the Lord's hand, because everything that is created is under the Lord. You know? That means time as well is in his hands. And who created time? The Lord created time. Second Peter chapter 3 from 8 to 9 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. How do we count days? We have 365 days. I'm here 366. That's how we count the days, right? And for some of the people that watch movies, I watched this movie once, and uh, this is The Avengers, The Infinity Wars. And I just want to pick on Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange was the guy that had the time stone. And the time stone means that it would go in the future or even in the past and look at what is happening. So he transcended into the future. And he counted all the wars that the Avengers were going to fight against this villain Thanos. You know Thanos, the guy with the box head, if you've watched the movie. And a very hard beard. All right? So he uses the time stone to transcend into the future, and he looks at all the wars that the Avengers are fighting against this dude. And he comes back and tells Stark, Tony Stark, Iron Man, if you know Iron Man, and he says, there's a 14 million wars that are so. But, bro, it's hopeless. We only want one. Only one. Say only one. And then the rest of the story goes and we know what happened. If you don't know, just ask your, your children. I'm sure they have seen and they're wondering what will happen next. So I'll leave it there. So what we, what we see with Dr. Strange, with his abilities... He counted, but he was limited. And we don't know now this war which they won, whether it was the 14th million war that they won, or it was just the beginning and the rest they lost. We don't know. But we know that our God is an infinity God. He transcends into the future beyond the 14 million that these fictional superheroes can never do. So fiction is in the minds, and these minds are finite. That means they have an end to it, because we cannot fathom eternity. That's why there was only 14 million. Maybe they should have been clever and say until the end of the ages. Maybe we would have, like, they're starting to think like God. It's because we are limited in our counting. We can't count time as God does. All right. So now let's put this fiction and the superheroes aside and let's proceed. Um, God and time 
remains a mystery. Do we believe that? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What is seen was not made out of things that are visible. In the, earth, the, earth, in the beginning, the earth was formless. And the spirit of God was there. And the word of God came and said, Let there be earth, and let there be the heavens. Let there be light, and let there be day. Let there be night, let there be darkness. Can you see that word? So what is seen was made out of what is unseen. What is in the spirit came on the earth, came into existence. So whatever we're building today, whatever we're working at today, is built on the fact that the Lord, the unseen God in his wisdom, he has created it all and it is created for him and it is in his hands. Do we see that? All right. Let's proceed. So you will agree with me that time is our most challenging stewardship responsibility. If you disagree, you might be a guru in time management. So I'm not going to touch on time management because there are great books that have been written about it. Uh, but none of these books come exactly to what the Lord talks about time. Because the scripture is full of at an appointed time. At an appointed time. That means that God is never let. Do we see that? So we also understand that time influences everything that we do. Does it? Therefore, we need to notice time and we need to also notice the importance of time in our lives. All right? Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So, how do we number our days? So, we cannot deal with time without the wisdom of the Lord. Okay? Who can? Okay, I see that tall. Um, the scripture basically here tells us that we must take stock now. We must look into our past and we must look ahead. Because what we have done, what we are doing now, has eternal consequences. All right? So it is very important. So we need wisdom. If I've messed up my whole life until this last minute that I said I give my life to the Lord... I expect everything to change and I expect the history to be raised. Yes, the history will be raised. But there are consequences that may catch up with us later. Things that we've done in the past. For example, if I've murdered a person in the past, the Lord and the Holy Spirit might convict me to say, go to such and such. These are the coordinates. I've buried somebody there. And what's going to happen? The archaeologists and all those people that can study times will come and then the police and then the judge and then you might be in prison. But grace abounds. And God honors a man that takes responsibility of their actions. Do we believe that? So, 
Let's keep that in mind. So when I looked at time, I looked at it, likening it to faith. The scripture says that each person is giving a small measure, as small as a mustard seed. What you do with that seed and what comes out of that seed is your business. Now looking at time, each one of us are given time, 24 hours. Who has 48 hours in a day? So we are all given 24 hours. And if we do the math, this is only 1,440 minutes. Or 86,400 seconds. Sounds little, right? Especially if you think about the minutes. 1,440 only. If I rewind back to... Pastor Hill, my sermon on the words, that we have to watch our words. It reminded me of the movie by Edel Murphy, the 1,000, is it 100,000 or the 1,000 words? In the end, he was like, man, I'm only left with 10 words and I'm done. So you start to count, it's like, what have I been saying now? My word must count. My word must count because now it starts to make sense that I got to use these words wisely. Same thing with time. There's going to come a time that you cannot confess, that you cannot repent, but you're just there. So time matters too. We have to number our days. Because as much as we're given 24 hours, each one of us, some don't have it. Because some people live longer and some people don't live long. Some people live to make a conscious decision and some don't. Which means... Every minute that passes counts. Alright? So, we got to number our days and we got to remember that I might not have the 24 hours that my brother has. Therefore, whatever I do, I do it as unto the Lord. And knowing that whatever that I'm doing, I know that heaven is watching. And I know that there is eternal consequences to what I'm doing. Do we see that? So, let's just break this one down further. Stewarding time. There is a confession that most of us always make. I just don't have time. Or I just don't have enough time. Or I can't just find time to do X, Y, and Z. What does that mean actually? If you think about it, just reflect on that. Don't you have time? Don't you have 24 hours? Or don't you have 48 hours? Because remember the scripture also says that you don't know what tomorrow holds. So think about today and what you're doing today because you might not see tomorrow. A man man may plan and purpose in his heart that tomorrow and the other day and the other day I'll do this and that and that. But it is the Lord that causes you to do this and that tomorrow. Because time is in his hands. And everything under the sun has a time stamp to it. So what does that mean? So let's all first it. We are all always running out of time. Who has so much time? That they feel like when somebody is complaining that I don't have time, 
you realize that I actually have something that looks like a 48 hours because I've got such enough time to do everything I want to do during the day. Think about the mothers, for example. Especially those that we see in the movies. I don't know about our mothers now. <laughs> because the ones in the movies are like superwomen. The morning, the breakfast for the dude that has to go to work. The lunch packs for the kid is going to school. Then it's like before I leave is check the shopping list, balance the checkbook. And, um, you know, I don't even have to worry whether there's fuel in the car because I got to sort it myself. I've got the checkbook and the credit card. Get in the car, shopping, shopping. You do laundry, laundry. Ah, I got to pick that and that. Pick the kiddies. Think about that. Do they have 24 hours? Like me who comes back at 5 o'clock, pick the DSTV remote and look for the, for the sports channel. We all have equal time. We all have equal time. Elder Nelson last week touched on the blame game. When we say we just don't have time, this is exactly what we are doing. God, you did not give me enough time. Do we see that? We're blaming God. But God says, I'm a sufficient God. And I have given you everything you need, especially pertaining to the life of godliness. That means the time I've given you, is to plant in today so that you can reap a reward later. And it is for your own good. But what do we do? We shove it back in his face that I actually need 48 hours, maybe 72 hours. Because these 24 hours is not cutting it for me. I can't get anything done. We even exaggerate. While you took a shower, while you took a breath, you had your breakfast. I can't get anything done. Can we see how that, how deep it goes? So we're not honoring God when we say that. So we got to be very careful because Pastor Hillman said, the power of words has the ability to create. When we say I don't have time, I'm creating around me an environment with time deficiency. That means whatever that is going to happen, I'm going to fall short. I'm not going to get anything done because this is what I'm building around myself. I just don't have time. Do we see that? So God has given us enough time. When we rewind and look back in the garden, everybody was accountable except the serpent because he can't change his nature. His nature is to steal some of your time is to kill some of your time and to destroy some of your future. And only him was saying, because you've done this, is because God thinks highly of us. When Adam was saying it was this woman, it's like I knew there was a woman. And Eve is saying it was this serpent. He knew there was a serpent. But I gave you an instruction to account. So, as much as the devil is going to get his first share... We're going to get our fair share because we have to account for the time that we didn't use according to what God has intended us to use it for. 
So we must be very, very careful when we say we just don't have time. And how do you spend your own time? Do you spend most of your time watching your TV series, your favorite, your favorite shows? Like myself, I like conspiracies. <laughs> like the FBI stuff. Investigations here and there. So, how do I spend my time? How much time? Because now you do bungee watching, because ketchup allows you to say you can actually pile them up. <laughs> you know? So that binge watching is like, I'm going to take like seven hours. It's Friday or it's Saturday. I'm just going to suck into this. Amuse and entertain myself. Or do you spend it on social media? That is on your Facebook. And I see WhatsApp has taken over Facebook. Um, or even getting your hair done. How much time do you spend getting your hair done? And this goes for the guys too. Eh? Like cut that beard and, you know, get that shirt in and the trims on. So it's not only the ladies that spend time on their hair too. Or do you spend that sleeping or talking about other people? And when you think about it, is God happy with the way you're spending your time? And how do you spend your work time, your time at work? These are very key questions that we got to answer. And these are almost the same kind of questions the Lord is going to ask us on Judgment Day. And what we see also is around us in society is that most successful people spend their time on things that matter, on how they can grow their businesses, on how they can grow their wealth. And this is an accounting term. It says we are to grow the wealth of our shareholders. So we have responsibility and accountability to our shareholders because that's all they care about. How you spend your time, I don't care. Grow my wealth. And therefore you can't do that if you don't spend time. Think about the parable of the talents. I remember this, one of my stories that I can share. In my days at work, I had these good friends, IT colleagues of mine. These guys, while I was working busy with my reconciliations and balance that creditors account or that debtors account, I got a pop-up that says, invitation, invitation, join the arena. So this is an online interactive game. It was called Quick. I don't know whether the young people now know Quick. I think they have other things. This was a combat game, computer game. So I would just like serve, twipsh, minimize, minimize that because when the boss walks in, you got to pull it up. So you don't shut down. You minimize. Yeah. Your alt and the tab takes you back to that screen. Eh? That's the... So you got to know those shortcuts, those, those keys. So... We would spend time, especially after lunch, we would spend the rest of the afternoon in the arena. Now, after hours, because i got to submit these journals, we have month end and stuff like that. I had to sit late hours, late hours. And what I can remember is I was always tired. You come in the morning, I'm like exhausted. I am stressed. But then the screen comes back again that same day again. 
and you do the same thing. And as an accountant, while preparing for this, I started to reflect to say, man, look at that. My employer actually paid me more, you know, the time I spent after hours because I should have gone home at five, but I spent another three hours. The computer started to wear out very fast because they're working extra time as well. Huh? So the employers paid me more than they were actually giving me on my paycheck. And my friend always complained to say, hey man, our employer, they give you $10 and they suck $11 out of you. I'm operating at a loss. But I realize it's like actually it's not a loss because the employer is losing because they're paying you more for the time you're spending in there. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 to 17 says, So then be careful how you live. Do not be unwise but wise. Making the best use of your time because the times are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. And John chapter 9 verse 4 says, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. What we see about this night is I could be dead. That is night. While I'm still alive, while there's still a day, do it. You were sent by the employer. You were sent by the Lord to do something specific. Do it. Because when you're dead, nobody's going to do it. That was a specific task to you as an individual. Do we see that? So, let's not blame the Lord for not having time. And let me also just briefly demonstrate this. My wife and I, we have three kids. And many times when we talk about connect groups, is the wife is pregnant, there's going to be a child, the whining period of a child is like three years, therefore I can't have a connect group. So, in our last two pregnancies, the childbirth and the child nurturing, we've led Connect. And if our oldest child, our, our second child is about 10 years now this year, that means we've been leading Connect groups more than 10 years. That means during this time when she was pregnant, when she gave birth, raising the kids, we've been leading Connect. Some may be saying that I'm studying, therefore I can't have a connect group. Or I can't be doing one-to-one with anybody. Is it so? So what is our business? Let's walk away with this on this point today. Clear your life from clutter and busyness. All right? And focus your attention on what God has set out for you to do. All right? Because he has given a gift to each one of you. And only you can do that. Only you can achieve that. Because each one of us are given a gift for service. Alright? Your neighbors need you. Your friends, your families need you. Figure out what the Lord has gifted you with. And just begin to do that. Don't wait until there's a better time for you to do it. Nike says, just do it. Instead of saying, I just don't have time, rather say this. Lord, your grace is sufficient for me. For your power is made perfect in weakness. Because it is his grace that is going to make us scale through our 24 hours and get everything almost done. The second point here is devote your time to the Lord. 
Spending time with God puts everything in perspective. Mark chapter 12 from 28 to 31 says, um, I'll read from verse 30. It says, love the Lord your God. And 31 says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God. Pastor, uh, Elder, Elder Richard just mentioned that during transition. The foundation of any relationship is love. Do you love the Lord? If the Lord says, love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might and all your strength, what does that mean? It comes as a command, isn't it? Love the Lord, your God. So if we don't love him, what is the effect? We're not going to get whatever there is in that relationship. Okay? So, many people say that your priorities will follow your time, while the people in business will say, follow the money. Right? Or they say, time is money. That means whatever minute that passes, if I don't do that and that, my business suffers. So, the Lord is the same thing. What requires of us is to build that relationship with him. So, when we look at this, is that we have to put our everything in it. Our everything in the relationship with the Lord. So we can see this from the life of Jesus. In Mark chapter 1 verse 35, Scripture says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying. And I have this quotation by A.W. Tozer, and he says, If a man wants to be used by God, he cannot spend all his time with people. There is time for people. There is time for the Lord. What are you going to give that you have not received? Spend time with the Lord and you're going to have enough. Enough time to give to each and every person. To give to those that are around you. Alright? And Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says, But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. So the character of Jesus was the character that went to God and also went to people. It says often he would sleep away, meaning often he would leave the people and go spend time with the Lord. Remember, Scripture repeatedly says that I cannot do anything except that which I see my Father do or that which I hear from the Father. So where does he get this? Does he get this in the walking? Usually there's a build-up. Yes, I can get it now because my time with the Lord, I may not get that. But the moment I step into your space, I have something to say to you. Because I have had it in my quiet time with the Lord. Alright? So in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus prayed on several occasions. Basically, this was the time when the, his journey was sort of coming to an end. And the one, in, in, in verses 39 to 44, this was the tipping point of what was going to happen. This is when Jesus' perspective became clearer. And he prayed and he said this, Your will, Lord, not mine. Because this was now giving up everything and say, Your will. Because he has seen the picture. He has now fully understand that this cup cannot pass me by. I got to take it. Because what you have purposed is coming to fruition. It's coming to an end. I got to lay down my life. For the sake of me and you. Alright? 
So there are times when you have to spend time with the Lord and there are times when you have to spend time with people. All right? So the more time you spend with the Lord, the more he fills your heart with his desire. And Philip Brooks says, if God doesn't want something for me, I shouldn't want it either. Spending time in meditative prayer, getting to know God, helps align my desires with God. Do we see that? So what do we draw? or What do we get out of spending time with God? Who got, whoever got something out of the time with God? Many of us did, right? One of the scriptures that I came across there was in Acts chapter 4 verse 13 and it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. This was when Peter and John were brought before the council because they were being reprimanded of preaching the word of God. You know, talking about Jesus. And what was coming out of their mouth was like, this can't come from an unschooled person, uneducated. Surely these men have been with Jesus. Because what they started to see was that, man, an un- a common man cannot say this. So, solutions are sitting right there. Because we're not spending time with the Lord, the solutions are going to the grave. What does that mean? Aish. Aish. Time is up. And I'm not even halfway. All right. We've got to speed this one up. And... Um, a couple of months ago, I attended, I attended a, a biblical seminar with my son on pornography. One of the things I walked away with from that seminar, particularly for the young people, unmarried people, the youth particularly, was the imprint of the Lord. And this is generated by the hormone called oxytocin. I'm not going to go in detail to explain that. But what I just want to highlight there is the oxytocin pulls us to God. As young people, I'll demonstrate this quickly in scripture. It says here, but I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The woman is unmarried who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy, both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. These are laid for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Oxytocin is a hormone that attaches you to any experience that you have. Young men take risks. They want that first time to be at the backseat of the car. And then when they get married, they always want to drive out with their wife to the bush and have that same experience. It's because this is what oxytocin did. It attached you to that experience. 
And then when the wife says, no, it's not comfortable, it's not healthy, it's not safe, things don't go well. The same thing as addictions. Whatever addictions, whether it's in immoral issues, this is the hormone that glues us to that. So what if as a young man I focus all my attention on the Lord? What is going to come before me? When the Lord says, love your wife, when the Lord says, respect your husband, it becomes natural. Because in my time as a single person, I spent my time with the Lord and this is what the Lord said. Can we see that? So the decisions we make has eternal consequences. So as young people, let that, I think I'll let the chemists and all the other experts decode that, but let our time, let's use our time to find out what the Lord is saying. Because even as a married man, I can't love my wife. Where am I going to get that love? I need to draw that love and the confidence to know that I can treat her well, I can love her if I spend time with the Lord. Because I cannot give what I don't have. And what I have, I can only have it because the Lord graces me with that. Do we see that picture? So oxytocin is now not only for the young people that are not married, but for the married people as well. That your imprint is we trust the Lord, he's going to erase the past. So that from now going forward, It is the Lord and it is my spouse. Do we see that? And then my attention is diverted. But for the unmarried person, my devotion is for the Lord. And all else will follow. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and the rest will follow. Can we see that? That is the scripture coming together. I want to close by bringing an emphasis on the third point, which is spending time in fellowship. And what I want to highlight and touch on this is something that one of my brothers shared last night. I was telling him this morning that you almost took the whole sermon. One of the things in fellowship is honor your time. When you have an appointed time with somebody, you don't only give an excuse five minutes before the time to say, I can't make it or I'm going to be late. Because that person put 30 minutes before that time and said, I'm going to meet this guy. And if you come and if you tell me five minutes, it's like I can't do anything. I'm sitting already in a coffee shop. I left everything else. That means you have taken one hour of my time instead of 30 minutes. So it goes back into honoring words and into honoring your people or your friends with time. Do we see that? When it comes to church... Oh, that's a big one. My wife and I, many Sundays often, when we leave the house, we're all quiet in the car. And I always break the silence. I say, what's up, lovey? And then she says, man, this thing. We cannot be going to church late every Sunday. This cycle got to be broken. And then... One Sunday, two Sunday, the other Sunday, again, you're kind of falling in the same cycle. The Lord wants to redeem us and wants to say, what I picked from that text that the brother sent last night was, if God, if Jesus in his scripture says that where two or three gather, there I am. It means for us that are serving in the church, 
what time must we be here? Because that's when we gather. It means for the congregation, for this service, 8.30, there I am. So when he says, there I am amongst you, do you think he comes late? Do you think he shows up late? So we're not honoring God when we come late to church. I was very much convicted. I wanted to leave this one out. My wife said, this is it. This is it. Because it's not something new. We've been talking about this. We've got to lay this issue down. We've got to lay it down. Let's honor God with our time. How do we therefore honor our God with our time? Or how do we devote our time to the Lord? Prayer and priorities become very important. Let's seek the kingdom of the Lord. And all the other things that we want to chase will fall into place. God will multiply our time if we sow it wisely. Just as the man with the talent saw the talent and reaped the reward for the master when he returned. Read your word every day. And spend time in fellowship as some are in the habit of neglecting fellowship. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. Could we just stand? Many of us have not done so well in managing our time. And many of us have wasted our time on things that don't matter. All on things that have negative eternal consequences. The Lord is just and faithful to forgive us. And he's just and faithful to redeem our time. That in the end, we will still be counted as good and faithful servants. So I want us to take this time just to repent. To repent of the times we have taken our gift of time for granted. And that we ask the Lord for forgiveness for when we have not been faithful to do just that which he has wanted us to do or to do what the other person had expected of us to do. Because time is money, time is money to God. And he cannot afford to lose that time because the days are evil. And we got to haste whatever he has said we should do. We also repent and ask of you, Lord, that you redeem our time. Create in us, O oh Lord, a new heart. And help us see time through your eyes. Help us number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The wisdom to enable us to invest our time well. On the day of your return, that when you account for it, we would have been pleased to say we brought you glory. The opportune time is now. Help us, Lord, to recognize that time. Help us never, never to procrastinate things that should have been done now. Help us do that just now in the name of Jesus. 
we ask this knowing that Jesus, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us for the times we've messed up, the times we've lost, the times we've worsted. In faith, knowing that you will redeem our time, that in the end, Lord, we would still have accomplished what you have purposed for us to accomplish in the name of Jesus. And Jesus, after finishing his assignment, he said this in John chapter 17, verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. We pray, Lord, that this is our portion, that in the last day, even before the day that I pass, I will pray that same prayer and say, I have done what I had to do. We pray that you give us the wisdom to number our days, Lord, in the name of Jesus. That even the wisdom to know that we are now passing, therefore, we can give our praise to you. And that can only come from the time that we spend with you because there is nothing that can catch us by surprise. Because you transcend the future in the name of Jesus. We thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen.